Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Charlie Bird. And I'm Ben Shalati. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ plus Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer these questions or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, am I being deceived? So Charlie and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both have beautiful eyes. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example... Ben has a lot longer lashes than I do, <laughs> and he also wears glasses. <laughs> it's true. My lashes are very long. What is your vision thing? I'm not sure. You know, like the 20-whatever thing? I, I'm like 20, 25. Or, That's really good. So my contact like prescription vision. is minus four. Minus four. Minus four? I don't know. What's the biggest minus? I don't know, but my dad's like a minus 12, and he's like legally blind. What? What's the difference between a plus and a minus? I don't Nearsighted like and farsighted? concave? I don't know. I don't know what it means. Well, the thing is, your lashes, Ben has lashes like a camel. Like, I went to Egypt once and I was riding a camel and I was like, oh my gosh, this camel looks like Ben. You, because it's eyes, like the eyelashes are so long. You did not think of me when you saw I the did. camel. You and, saw me and, and thought of a camel. your Lebanese. That's true. And my face kind of has a camel face. I, I, okay, that's fine. But mostly just the lashes were so long. That's true. I do have very and long I really, lashes. you know what? I want to put mascara on you to like volumize and boost those babies. You're not the first person to say that. Really? I've had a lot of people offer like curl my lashes and like put mascara on them. Well, oh, we should do it. No. Well, the thing is, like your glasses make them even longer. I know. And I used to have a pair of glasses once. Actually, when I like push them back, my lashes would hit the glass. Oh my gosh. Your eyes are blue, right? Yeah. Mine are green. I know. Just so everyone knows while yeah. we're talking about our eyes. <laughs> we're now we're just like looking deep into each other's eyes, <laughs> trying to think of more material. But anyway, let's talk about the topic today. So we would like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives. So today we're joined by Dave Butler. Yee-hee. So Dave, oh, that's the first time someone's yelped <laughs> to introduce themselves. I was kind of confused on what to do. <laughs> so so well, I just went with what my spirit said. That was very appropriate. Well, that's Thank perfect because today we're talking about the spirit. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave. I'm Texan. I like barbecue. What part of Texas are you from? Just outside of Houston, mm. a place called Sugarland. Do you know that band? Sugarland. Oh yeah, I didn't know they were named after Texas. My hometown. Jennifer Nettles. Is that the main girl? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I just claim that I'm from the town that they're <laughs> named after. I don't. Except are they? Anyways, I was about to bust into one of their songs, and I uh, I am married to Jenny. We have six kids. We live in Lehigh, and we are just our oldest is sixteen, our baby is six, and so we're just. Oh, they control my whole life right now. In a Just good like, way. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do professionally? I teach institute right now at UVU, at the Institute at UVU. And I've taught seminary and for lots of years. And then a couple of years ago, I started teaching institute at UVU. And so that is my, my main gig. And you're like an expert on the Holy Ghost. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But <laughs> if you want me to be today... That's why you're here. Okay. Yeah, that's well, shoot. You so, should have found somebody else. <laughs> so today we're talking about like, am I being deceived? Which is a question I once asked Ben, and I'll kind of tell that story a little bit later. But I, I think at least I have kind of struggled in my journey knowing like what's coming from God and what's not. Like, mm. is this personal revelation or is this just what I want? Mm. Is this just my desire? And um, the same day my book came out, you released a book about the Holy Spirit called Spirit. And so I just figured you'd done a lot of research 
and your book's pretty good. So I was like, let's have Dave on. <laughs> well, thank you. Maybe but you can teach us. All, <laughs> yeah. And then it all, seriously, the day I submitted that manuscript, I was like, I got, I have, I already would add so much you would change more. It, yeah. 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 I mean, I, uh, that's true of everybody, right? Who submits one. They're just like, oh, but legitimately with that one, I was like, I think I've learned some new things. I think I've, I think not majorly differently, but like some things I might nuance a little anyways, but full disclosure, I have written a book on the spirit and I did spend a lot of time, you know, reading, researching, thinking obviously about it, but I just feel like that is a, there, this podcast should be different a year from now. I think, I think that's the essence, right? Of living a life that's spirit led where you're just like, there's something a little bit mysterious about it. There's something that's like, developmental about it yeah well if there's not growth or progress then what's the point right right so like stagnant is a word i would never associate with the holy spirit Mm -hmm. and so i don't know what the difference the opposite of that is wild flowing flowing yeah growing thriving oh i thought we were going to start rhyming so when you were like (laughs) (laughs) i was like like, uh, rowing rowing Rowing. (laughs) (laughs) paddle down so Ben, have you ever wondered if like increased acceptance of your sexual orientation was like a deception? Yes, I have. I wouldn't say it's like a constant thing, but I mean, I'm 37 and single and not pursuing a marriage to a woman right now or a man. So I'm like not following church teachings, if you will, because I'm not trying to get married, which I guess I need to do to be exalted and become like God. I shouldn't say that so flippantly, but well, so there have actually been a number of times, like since I came out publicly where I just like really sincerely pray and I'm like, am I supposed to marry a woman? Like, am I doing this wrong? Just like really sincerely. And then the most recent time that happened was there was a general conference talk not too long ago that was like really hard for me and really triggering. And I just had like this and I watched it with a friend of mine who's gay and she just like sobbed after, just like sobbed. Mm. And I was, mm. I was upset. She was sad. And I just like came down to my room and I knelt down. I had this like really sincere prayer, just like vocally. And I was like, "What the heck, God? Like, am I wrong? Is this general conference speaker wrong? Are is there is is he right? Am I right? Is there a way that we're are we both wrong? Are we both right somehow? Like, should I actually be trying to marry a woman? Uh, like like he's saying and." And I just like, as I prayed, just like really sincerely, and like honestly kind of raging, I just like felt calm, like, no, Ben, you're on the right path. Like you're going the way you're supposed to go. Yeah. I think for me, it was confusing because like so much of the stuff I learned at church and from church leaders was true and good and right. But when it came to orientation, so much of what I learned there was damaging and hurtful. And so like it was weird for me, for, for example, like I had church leaders counsel me to to not identify as gay and just say I was ex- like experiencing feelings of same sex attraction. And I was like, OK, I'll do that. And so for a long time, like the way I self-identified was I have these feelings of same sex attraction, but it like wasn't working for me. It was stressing me out. It was making my life more difficult. I was hiding from people. And then I started saying I was gay and I started feeling lighter and closer to God. And I was like, this is really confusing. Cause like, I thought this was the word I wasn't supposed to use. And like, that's just a small example of like my growth of accepting myself is something that like, I thought I wasn't allowed to do. Like I thought God didn't w- accept gay mm. and gayness. So me accepting myself and being more authentic and, and like 
owning that part of me felt like, like I was like, is the spirit taking me here or is like Satan taking me here? Cause I was always told that like Satan is the one that is like pushing for gay marriage and trying to like destroy the family and things like that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, is that what I'm becoming? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, when have you worried about whether or not you were being deceived? That's so funny because when you texted and said, that's what we're going to kind of talk about. I was like, I, I started thinking it and I was like, well, I guess the, the thing is by nature, you wouldn't know if you were being deceived. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. by definition of the word, if you're deceived, that means that you believe fully something that's false. Right. Oh. And so you wouldn't ever like actually, it would take some sort of outside interference or, you know, to like realize like, Oh, hold on. I believed that really strongly. And I guess I was wrong, you know, about that, or mm-hmm. I'm working through this or whatever. And I thought that would Charlie, when you were just talking, I kind of thought my first inclination probably would have been when I realized, you know, you, you say like, Oh, I'm gay. And all of a sudden I felt closer to God. Like my first inclination probably would have been like, Oh, I guess I was wrong about what God thought about gayness. Right. Right. Like I was like, Oh, actually, like I believed something that was false earlier, you know, because because it, it goes both ways. Right. Because yeah. you were kind of thinking, oh, was I am I wrong right now? But maybe you were wrong. Does that but, yeah. But I think that's why it's so difficult, because this juxtaposition of like, because then that makes what I learned at church deceptive. Well, and I think that's a hard word because that word deceive has like a connotation of like I- intention. I don't know if it is for y'all. Maybe that's just me. When I hear the word deceive. Well, let's define how we use it. Yeah. Because when I hear that word, I sense like a conniving, like a purposeful. Like manipulation. Right, right. Uh-huh. You know, that word just carries that feeling for me. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know, right? Like I don't know the intention of if someone taught me something wrong. Let's say, for example, I actually don't know the intention of that person. And if I were to like accuse them, like just mentally and say like, oh, you deceived me, I would be offended if somebody said that to me. That's how I feel about the word. You know, someone Mm -hmm. like you deceived me. Because if you taught something that was like untrue or mistaken, like you never would have meant to do that. Right, right. I think I would say like, oh, I'm sorry. Deceive sounds so like, like just has like an evil Evil. connotation to it. And, And maybe it does, you know. Like, by definition, it might not, but I hear that word and I think... Well, you think of, like, Satan being the father of deception and lies. Yeah, and yeah, like the deceiver, yeah. you know, and uh-huh. you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I was going to say, like, you know, like I was deceived at church, and it's, to me, that, like, could there be somebody at church who's manipulative and conniving? And yes, absolutely. For sure there could be people like that at church. Why would there not? Why, why could that not happen, right? And if we go into church... Yeah, thinking, I hope they're at church. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Y'all better get yourselves to church. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to church, you know, um, thinking to myself, like, oh, this is a place where I could never be taught wrong, mm-hmm. uh, then th- I don't think that'd be a really smart... I don't think that's a super healthy way to worship yeah. and to think through. And it's interesting because, like, Scripture, if we take Scripture, for example... Um, we usually today go to scripture for answers, but scripture is actually wisdom literature. The ancients wouldn't have seen scripture having that purpose. 
the scriptures like began the discussion or continued it or in, in, uh, like invoked more feelings and question mm-hmm. about it. Like that was its intention to get you talking and to get you discovering and wondering and stuff like that. We have such a different culture of scriptures today, right? We're just like, oh, I go to the scriptures to end the argument. Right, but that what that's you not their go purpose. To scriptures to begin the right, argument. Right, right. To be like, oh, let's that. start to let's use this this these words as the place to like get into the discussion, get into that. the messiness of whatever it is we're trying to figure out. Yeah, well, and that makes sense because because like when I figured out things, for example, like I'm just gonna keep using that because it's like a a safer and an easy one to understand. Like when I started like accepting my identity and feeling good about that, it made me question basically everything I'd learned. Right. Oh, sure. Cause then, cause I'm like, well, if that was wrong, what else could be wrong? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, I think I was worried if I was being deceived because that was scary. It's scary to look at your entire belief set and think, could some, could it, could something else be wrong? You know, but you're, you're saying that's kind of healthy. Yeah. Oh, well, go ahead. No, Ben. Honestly, I think that's super healthy. Like when, when president Oopdorf said a few years ago, like, we should doubt our doubts. I don't think like the skill to like doubt your doubts is also learning how to like doubt what you know as well. Like just this, I, I think it's really healthy to like examine and look at and it, yeah, it's not like disregard your doubts. Yeah, it's like you know I believe this and why do I believe this and mm-hmm. and uh-huh. and and looking the fruits of it and well and I think like you're we're talking about what's the opposite of like that word we used at the beginning stagnant like it feels really stale and stagnant to just like for everything mm-hmm. to be so cut and dry. And I actually think beliefs have a lot more thrill and power to them. If, if we, if we can doubt them, if they can be wrong, you know, does that make sense? Like, yeah. it's like, it's like Oh now, yes. All of a sudden there's like an excitement to things that you believe and you embrace. And like, if, if you can't be wrong, like oh, all of that is, is lost. Yeah, it turns into like an obstacle course instead of just like running around a track. Wait, say what you mean by that. I'm thinking of like, um, What's that show I like to watch where the people fall off the rings? Uh, Ninja American, American Ninja, Ninja Warrior. Warrior. Oh, okay. like like it becomes an American Ninja Warrior course. Like anyone can just like walk down and be bored on like doing circles on a track. But if you're like on a course or like going trail running, it like takes it into a place mm-hmm. that you've mm-hmm. never seen before, and like makes you stay on your toes. Yeah, I think if we were to say, "Oh, I like it this way because it is super safe," then I would say, like, "Oh, then you give up." like courage and whimsy on the other side. Uh-huh. If you're going to be safe, it means that I you're you're always going to be safe. It means you won't get to experience like the other side of where those things, you know, could be like so it seems nice to try and make it really cut and dry. Let's make the profit a fax machine so that everything is never misinterpreted, always straight from God, like, you know, but the fact that like we can interpret and speak wrong and accidentally lead, you know, like, uh, like the fact that anybody can do that on any level actually like makes it imperative for us to live a life led by the spirit. Mm-hmm. And like it, it makes it so you like, oh my gosh, we have to every day, we have to like work through this and adjust and think and, but that's what it means to be alive. So I, I wouldn't want to get rid of it. As you guys were talking, I thought about this uh, scripture in 2 Nephi 28. 
Um, and Nephi kind of goes through a couple of examples of how the devil tries to, to deceive us. And he says, uh, this is 2 Nephi 28, 27. Yea, woe be unto him that saith, we have received and we need no more. Mm. You know, I, I think this is really getting at mm. that, like, you mm. know, we shouldn't have a stagnant faith. We shouldn't have, like, if we think that what we believe and know and how we've been led to where we are is like, that's it. Like, that's like, we're warned against that. That's a cool. What verse is that? Because I've never read it like that before. That's actually super it, rad. It's Second Nephi 27, 28. Mm. No, 28, 27. So like, I wonder if by definition, to have faith, it must be challenged. Because if it's not challenged, there's no need for faith. Oh, it seems so. Like, yeah. right. Can you say that you trust somebody if there's not an opportunity to like mistrust or... You know, mm-hmm. trust somebody is like a, that's a, that's a step into the dark as people like to say, like that really is like a, yeah. I'm like, I'm making a decision. I'm leaning on you. I have reason to, but it's like, I don't actually know for, sh- you know, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like that question has made me a more engaged believer. For example, to, to take a, like another, like a general conference talk that was given that didn't sit well with me. It probably was the same one, honestly. Um, I was, I like had a similar, I was like, oh my gosh, am I wrong? Like, is everything I believe, like what's real? And I ended up printing that off and going through and like, like praying about it and highlighting and being like, you know what? There are these principles and these themes and these quotes within this talk that I believe are true and resonate. And there are these things that like, I don't know, like, I don't like uh, to, to be like Frank, like I don't believe them. Right. Yeah. But like the process of like owning my testimony like that and exercising faith was really cool mm. and really building. And then it's made me like, like whenever something said, I'm like, before I just take this and like tack it on this like push pin board of testimony, I'm going to like pray about it and see if I want to put it up there. Mm. Like, is, is that what's true for me? You know, mm. Mm. to take something like that, that's such a cool practice. And to just, and, and I would, when you were saying it, I was like, Oh, and then I, my personality is, would have quickly gone to other people, maybe quicker. I don't know. I was about to say that I should, but (laughs) I don't even think there's a should or shouldn't with that. I would have taken that talk and quickly brought other people into the conversation and just been like, yeah, wait, do you think this is true? Like I'm, I'm really bugged by this and like, let's, I want to think through it. I just think through things better with and you know, other people too, you know, mm-hmm. so it's just like, yeah, as, that's what I was thinking. Ben, do you remember when I asked you this exact question? I do. So we were at a USJ meeting, which is like an unofficial BYU group. And I was just like barely like stepping out and was like trying to you're fly f- under the radar. You're such a little baby gay. I was a little baby <laughs> gay and it really wasn't that long ago, but I, we were in the a BYU working group together. So we kind of knew each other and I would like walk there right after practice and I live like on the other side of town. So Ben would like pretty much every week drive me home. And one time you drove me home and you told the story that I thought like sounded ridiculous, but also felt true to me. Uh huh. What's the story? <laughs> this, <laughs> it was because <laughs> you made out with your boyfriend and then the next day we're like, I need to go to the temple. And you're like, am I worthy? And you're like, yeah. Uh-huh. And so like you went to the temple and I was like, you can kiss a boy and then go to the temple. <laughs> I was like, what? But then like going to the temple was like a really good experience for you and helped you like understand where you fit and where you wanted to move forward. That's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, that like rocked my world. I was not ready to hear that. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, like is Ben like some sort of like 
demon. <laughs> like, is, is, is he like, like manipulating me and trying to get me to believe something? I mean, maybe. Like, it sounded shocking to me. And I was like, Ben, are we being deceived? Should I just like hate myself again and try to marry a woman, even though it's like really not working for me? And should I just go back to the the closet where I was living for so long? What did I say? And everything felt like dangerous, but safe. That's like, I don't know, looming, but safe, like heavy, but safe. Mm. And you're like, I don't know, maybe, but like, how do you feel? What are, basically you asked me what the fruits of, of like coming out and like starting this journey had been mm-hmm. and um, had been. <laughs> <laughs> Good pun. And I was like, <laughs> well, I'm happier. I can sleep now. I don't have panic attacks. I can pray without apologizing that I'm even praying. Like I can ask questions and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not being deceived. Like I'm growing and getting healthier. Mm-hmm. But, but, but like it was still weird because I, I honestly thought that like, like accepting sexual orientation was like a great sin because mm-hmm. that's what I've been instilled with. But it actually like really helped me get to God. Yeah, um, I'm so wise. I told you to look at the fruits of what was happening. So that's when I made out with a guy that went to the temple. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you, Ben. You did not. I didn't. We can cut that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know if I said this in this conversation, but sometimes people are like, well, I'm feeling this way, but I'm not sure if it's right or true. And i like, well, what happened when you like got your testimony of the Book of Mormon or of the Restoration? Like, is it that same feeling? Like, I've just learned ways that I've learned truth. And so, you know, if I'm learning a truth that, that feels like tough or, or different than I had expected, like same thing, like with how I self-define or self-identify. Yeah. It, like the spirit sounds the same. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's kind of with this, it was more like the feeling of before I left on my mission, like that faith step. Cause it, it, it was scary to step into a new space, but I had to like, I guess even like in the restoration, Joseph Smith had to go through like that period of dark and like doubt before the light came through, you know, and it, and it's hard to move through that before you get to the light. Yeah, that's super interesting. I love that concept of it's something that I just have been thinking a lot about actually recently is that what are the fruits of like these decisions? And even to use like an eye of faith a little bit and to look forward and just kind of say like, and if I perpetuated this, like what what might that end up looking like, you know, in the future? Also, like, obviously you don't know for sure, but I think asking what are the fruits of this is one of the wisest questions that a, a person could ask. I mean, that's how Paul describes spirit best, I think, in scripture and is he coins that phrase. And then you can you can kind of use it across all of scripture. It's like, what are the what are the fruits of I mean, the reality is like there's segments of our lives where we where we are wrong. And we just don't know, like at all times. But it doesn't mean like we're all wrong or all right. Does that make sense? Like there's just going to be parts of us that we're just working through at different levels and different intensities, like all the time. Uh Mm -hmm. And I think just constantly asking like, okay, what are like, you know, should I be like, if it's something that we're doing, should I be doing this? Or if I am believing this, like what are the fruits of actually believing this particular I mean, that's what Alma does, right? With his experiment chapter Uh in 32. He's like, plant this in your heart and see what it does. Like, embrace this particular truth. Now, he's talking about a super particular truth in that chapter, but I think it's applicable to say, like, if I plant this one, and there is actually this phrase in there 
where he says this, which is really interesting. Someone pointed this out to me like a year ago, and I was like, oh, that is actually really cool. Where he says, okay, now give, if you'll give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, or the seed in this one is, is a particular truth or idea, right? That's what the seed is being compared to, the word, a word, right? If it be a true seed or a good seed, and he uses both of the words right there, a true one and a good one. But then for the rest of the chapter, he drops one of those two adjectives and only keeps one for the rest of his sermon. And he drops true. And he just focuses on good for the rest of the chapter. That's not to say that like whether something is true or not is not important. But I do love that he starts to emphasize, let's not talk about whether it's true or not. Let's talk about whether it is good or not. Is it having these good reactions? Is it like, is it making our, are, are we more enlightened? Is it more delicious? Is it more like, he's like, let's talk about that instead of being so focused on, is this right or wrong, true or false? He's like, how about, is this good? Like almost like spiritually stimulating. Yeah, right. And like uh-huh. he tells you what some of the fruits are there. He only mentions four, but Paul mentions even more, right? Mm-hmm. And you could find several throughout scripture or just through your you know, own experience and others. like People will use different synonyms right, to describe what that might be. But like I, I really, really love that whole... Co- and it seems like, you know those verses at the very end that missionaries love to use in Moroni? I sometimes mm-hmm. think, oh, I think Moroni was reading Alma right before he wrote this. <laughs> because he says this, By the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. And then he says in the verse right after, and I wish someone would have told me, oh, you can actually share with people the verse right after on your mission. Verse six is good too. Yeah, Yeah, that's the one where he says, whatsoever thing is good is just and true. And so it kind of comes back to that same idea of like, what is it good? You know, what are the fruits of this? So, So I'm an overly confident person just by nature. And so I don't often worry like, am I being deceived? But I've been told a lot that I'm being deceived by other people. Yeah, me too. So Dave, what advice would you give for someone who's like being told by like friends or family or loved one that their choices they're making are bad, but they feel that they're good? Well, I think that then opens up an opportunity for a person to just like explore that, right? Like who, like why does somebody have like the, the knowledge and know what they could be being deceived, right? Does that make sense? And so it's like, I, it, that's not cut and dry for you to say that to me. But I also think it's really healthy, like y'all were talking about in some of your stories earlier, to just say, to begin that with like, well, it is a very likely possibility that I am being deceived. You know, I, I am, I have been around the sun 30 times only. So, and, and, and my experiences are so limited in this world. Obviously, I am easily I could easily be tricked and deceived. So I think it's healthy to go into it and just be like instead of playing like uh-uh, what you you know it's just like okay, that's true. I could be and you could also be wrong too who are saying that to me. And and most likely we're both wrong somehow. Right? And so I actually I wish someone would never say that to somebody because if it's a friend, they probably wouldn't say it to you, but rather like Let's begin a discussion about this. Let's in, engage, you know, in this. That's what that's what I would think. I have a lot of thoughts, and I might move into some tricky territory. Go ahead, Charlie. Permission. 
Okay. I think that's been most difficult for me when I feel like I've received personal revelation that's looking different from every, like what everybody else believes or like current church teachings. I'm like, I don't like feeling like I know more about a gay identity than leaders. Well, you do. But that's, and, and then I realized like, how could I not? You know right. what I mean? Like, cause I'm the one who is gay. Right. Like I'm the one who's seeking and asking these questions. So like, I feel like in a way I'm entitled to revelation about myself before the rest of the church is, is that, a, am I allowed to say that? Well, I mean, we don't want to be like ahead of the church or counseling the church. Well, that's not what I'm trying to do, but just like, I, I think, I think I was just so in this, like, I have to receive revelation from down the line. Right. And then I get, I guess I'm just saying I got to the point where I'm like, I'm going to receive revelation for me and I'm not going to like put that on everyone else. Like I'm not trying to, mm. to be like, this is the great revelation for the gays, but I can be like, this is the great revelation for me this year. Cause this is what I need to do right now. Well, well, well that's the story of like Cornelius in Acts, in Acts chapter 10, where he's like a Gentile who wants to join the church. Uh-huh. And that chapter is like, for some reason, like really it like tells what time it is a lot. And Cornelius saw an angel like a day before Peter saw his vision. Oh, that's beautiful. Because he was the one that was affected by it. The thing is, that's hard, though. And that was hard for me because that comes with a lot more moral responsibility. There you go. Because now because now I'm not living under the like a safe umbrella because I'm like, I could be deceived right now. Right. And then like, I think that's why it's so difficult. And that's why it was so hard for me, because like, I don't want to be wrong if I'm stepping out from this. And I also don't want to like be like, Hey everyone, like you need to make this umbrella bigger, but I was like, this is where I need to stand. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I love that you bring up Cornelius's story because as you were saying that I was like, well, there's actually scriptural precedence for both, right? For somebody like receiving like a revelation that was like contrary to like typical thought. And there's also like scriptural precedence for people receiving revelations that were wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you either could happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I guess just like the trick is to engage with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is like with most choices, most choices can be undone. Yeah. Oh, oh thank you. Cause I was going to come back to that. Thanks. Because I think that's something I had to learn too, that like Christ atoned for me. Like I, cause when I'm in this space where like I could be totally screwing up and making decisions that are taking me down a wrong path. And then I was like, like God's got me, you know, yeah. like if I'm like trying to stay close to Christ and I really believe that repentance is real, I shouldn't be afraid to move around right. and like make decisions and make mistakes. Even, you yeah. know, like if you're petrified of making a mistake, then you never have the courage to do something that could be really good and right. different and helpful. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I it's think, like, yeah. And I think for me, I, I got to the point where I was like, the difference is I'm not going to be like, I'm going to go do this sin. It was like, I feel like this is good. So I'm going to, and I don't know, it, like not a sin or just like a, an idea. Right. Right. It's not, it's not like I was like, I'm going to try to do a bad thing on purpose and then repent because Jesus got me. Right. Yeah. No, I, yeah. It was more like, I feel like this is good and I'm going to try it out. And if it is good, I'm going to like thank God and the spirit for taking me there. But if it's not good, I'm going to say, Christ, I need you to, to pull me back or at least to a different spot. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And, Amen. And I think as long as we're, sincerely trying to do our best, like really sincerely, 
seeking out the will of God and doing our very best. You know, as we stumble and fall and tumble, I should have made it all rhymes, but <laughs> stumble, fumble, fall and tumble. <laughs> you know, I think I think we're going to be okay because you know we're we're we're, we're moving in, in the right direction. Right. There's a difference between somebody like trying to be rogue and I'm intentionally trying to like do something different and I'm intentionally trying to because I can give myself like scriptural permission to do something like that. And somebody who's just like, I genuinely am yearning to put my life into God's hands. That is what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do it very well a lot of the time. And, but I like, but I'm, yeah. I'm trying. I, I, that's what I, that's what I want. That's what I want to be. And well, that reminds me of the fruits too, because like, I feel like those fruits can come inside you. Like if those are your desires, that's how you tell if what you're looking for is, is, is good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I love the idea of fruits because it's like Alma says, like, you'll begin to notice these things. Right. And then he says, and then a tree comes and then the fruit comes on the tree. It's sometimes it's like takes a, a while for these things to kind of like manifest. Like, wait, is this, is this right? Am I? So the idea of it being like fruits is actually like interesting because it's like, oh, those take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. to like to just like work through and figure out and so i feel like sometimes i've had to be wrong to to be right oh yeah like I've, I've had to like go down or like move to like a testimony place where i was like actually this isn't it for me and then i'm like but this is like it but it helps me like find something better what i'm looking for you know yeah, yeah i had this watch this like conversation happen between like a, a friend of mine that I used to teach seminary with and one of our past students, we had both taught him at different times. And for some reason, we were all in a place that we were together and just kind of like talking about the good old days, you know. And this kid said something to the other teacher. And he just said, he's like, I remember you taught me this and this and this in class. He's like, I, 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 I remember it. And I've thought a lot about it. And I, I don't think it's right. And he said back to him, he was like, oh, I think I taught you wrong because I've like kind of like kind of followed through and saw the fruits of believing that particular truth. And I did not like they weren't they didn't sound like Jesus to me, like the fruits that were coming from it were wrong. And I was like, I, like I sat there and I was like, I freaking love this conversation so much. I love that they are both like one of them questions his teacher and says, like, I've like planted that truth in me. And it's I don't think it's right. Yeah. And for him to admit and say like, oh, me too. And I, and I'm, I think I, I taught you wrong. Yeah, that's the opposite of stagnant. That's flow. Right. And that's yeah. so right. humble too. Right. But on both ends, I was just like, this is awesome. This is, this is faith right here. This uh-huh. is like, and it's, and it's Zion and it's faith community. And it's like, this is like, I am a really, really big proponent. This is the second time I've said it of like bringing just other people together and talking about them by myself. I I mean, you know, everybody knows like inside you're just a basket case. Right. And like what you ate and a memory you had from when you were 12 and like all of these things can like impact your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings like so erratically that it's so nice for me to like, this is actually one of the benefits I'd see in like, where you talk about like the revelation that comes through lines. Like, I'm just like, I'm so happy there are both Mm -hmm. because I don't trust my own sometimes. And it's also nice to just have something to like bounce off of and compare like both to and, and other people within my 
that I trust and love and just like, I, you know, I'm genuinely, I'm not, especially when someone's like, I'm not trying to fix anybody or I just, let's just talk about this. I, I think the spirit flows in situations like that. Even in fact, the one that you talked about with Cornelius, there is a line soon after that where Peter and the other apostles make a major, where they make their major like policy decision change. Like it's one of the biggest in the book of Acts. And like three times in that chapter, Peter says, it seemed good to us and the Holy Ghost Hmm. to make this decision. Cool. And I'm like, what? You just made a major policy change by saying it seemed good. But it's cool that he was just like, we did it because it seemed good to all of us and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Like we like that's and that's why we did it. That's why we're doing it. Yeah, I love that. So you know, we've been talking about people trying like with the best of intentions. And you know, it says in the scriptures that Satan actually is trying to deceive us. And, right. and it says a couple of ways that like Nephi talks about a couple of ways that he tries to do that. And one is by saying that there is no devil and there is no sin, and you just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And I, I really like this one where he says, This is in Second Nephi twenty eight again. He says, and others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security that they will say, all is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth, all is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And a couple of verses down in verse uh, 24, therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth, all is well. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm. And you know, I think that's one of the one of the chief ways that that I I feel like I was deceived in the past and maybe am now. Like I just thought everything's fine and uh, I don't need to do anything to make things better. And I have felt so much more like enlivened and led as I've like noticed things that don't feel good to me mm-hmm. and then working to to build Zion in my sphere of influence and in my stewardship. Yeah, that those like what Charlie was talking about earlier, the idea of God's got you and how there is hazard in that side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And there's also hazard on the other side, too. You know, does that make sense? Like there's just like you're going to have a gutter on both sides of the street. And it's like it's actually why I love I teach a world religions class. So and I just love all the religions of the world. But that whole idea of the Buddha teaching about the eightfold middle path. The whole like idea and concept behind it is like in the middle, you know, like extremes are hazardous and dangerous. You want to try and find that place. But I think believing both those things at the same time is to say like, I could be wrong and I could be deceived. God has me at the same time. Everything's going to be okay. Like they kind of just provide this good playground, you know, where it's just like, okay. It like, it like sets a boundary. Right. Yeah. 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 Like the resistance pulls you together instead of pushing you apart. Right, right. There has to be tension. Like it really is like this really sweet place to have tension. It's just like, oh, this is where like it, all the good stuff happens. I think tension's how you get revelation. Like, cause, cause you're not praying for answers unless you're feeling some doubt. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, like Joseph Smith wasn't praying for an answer because everything was awesome. Like there was extreme tension. And when I think about myself and like coming out and trying to figure out who I am and like where I fit in the plan of salvation, it's like I was looking for answers and I'm gaining personal revelation because there was tension there. 
And if it wasn't there, then I would know exactly how much I knew before I started this process. And what I'm hearing you guys say is like this question, like, am I deceived? Like, it's not a bad question. It's, it's like a cool question. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like checking in with ourselves to make sure that we're, that we're on the right path. Yeah. Well, and even Joseph's particular question, like we mistell this story so often and I'm like, can we let that narrative go? Because it's not nearly as good as the real narrative where he's like, which church is true. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, that is, that's, that is so secondary to what he was doing, which is like, he's like, I was concerned about my soul. Yeah. And that is such a better narrative. You have this boy who's just like, I actually am genuinely concerned about my soul. Like, and and I I want a healthy, living, vibrant soul. Mm-hmm. And like, and I need truth. I need something to help, you know, like it's not right now. It's troubled and it's, you know. And so I really, really love that idea of somebody just like, I mean, that's just another way of saying like I'm genuinely trying. You know, it's just like, here's some, I'm genuinely want to experience life, you know? And like, what I mean by that right now, I have this like working definition of eternal life. I want to get rid of eternal life as an end destination and start talking about it more the way the scriptures talk about it as like something we experience right now. Like I am experiencing eternal life. Like I'm more alive to God and I'm more alive to other people. Like if I'm feeling that and experiencing it, I'm like, whatever's happening to make that happen, that is what I want to have more of. Yeah, that's cool. So I was talking about when I was worried about being deceived and had that conversation with Ben. When we were parked. When we yeah, we, <laughs> we were parked um, outside, outside of King Henry Apartments. <laughs> so very, very Provo. That was kind of like the era where I started, like stopped feeling defective and started feeling whole that like I was like supported and whole as a child of God as I was and that there was nothing to change. And I ended up meeting with one of the the administrators on campus and was was talking to her and told her like bore testimony and, and like it really clicked and like both of us cried. It was so powerful when I was like, Look, the messages I get tell me that there's something wrong with me that I need to change, but God is telling me that I'm whole. And it was just this powerful moment. And then I graduated, I moved. It'd been like a year and didn't like never really thought about that conversation. And one day she sent me an email out of the blue. And if it's okay, I'd like to read exactly what she wrote to me because it like, sunk into me and grounded me. And I go back to this all the time, every time I'm worried about like the direction I'm going. So towards the end of the email, she said, I know I don't know how it feels and I can't appreciate what it's like to have a core element of my identity devalued or even made to seem shameful. Hmm. What I do know is that personal revelation is real and you have received assurances that supersede every message to the contrary. Please hold on to that. Come back to it over and over again. You are just as an all-knowing, completely loving Father made you. You know it. He knows it. All those who have been touched by your life, compassion, and friendship know it too. Please do whatever you need to do to keep the memory of your peaceful, sweet assurance alive and active for those times when you are tired and feel despair. You can rely on that, and as you recall your experience, it will help you offer grace to those who say otherwise. Mm. Can I just build on that? Yeah, please. Um, so I recently gave a, a build youth a castle on it. 
a temple. <laughs> so I recently gave a, a, a fireside for youth an award uh, in my stake. And during the Q&A, someone asked, you know, what we can do to help someone who, who wants to stay in the church and keep their covenants, but is likely going to stay single. Like, how do we help them in a church that uh, focuses so much on the family? And so I talked about my friends, Kevin and Allison, and how they've made me part of their family. I told a number of stories. And, and then I kind of circled back. I said, so to answer this question, like, how do we, like, what do we do if, if someone wants to stay in the church, but, it, but is single? And I said, what you do is you make them part of your family, because we're all meant to be family. Mm. And then when I said that, you could just like feel the spirit in the room. And then the bishop piped in and he said, are you all feeling that? Ben just said something true and the Holy Ghost is telling you that it's true. Uh, I thought that was a really powerful teaching moment but from, from the bishop to say like, like, are you experiencing what's happening right now? Make sure you're noticing this. And, you know, I've, as I've, as I've aged and gotten older and had more experiences, I've, I've started, I've noticed those moments more and more. Yeah. I just feel that, that I, I can get guidance and receive truth. Yeah, and I feel like both of these stories go back to what you were saying about the community aspect of this, because when I started coming out and even started having these conversations, immediately I was hearing from other voices, and I think that was scary for me, because I was like, what if these other people are giving me things that aren't true? But then, I mean, we've talked about how to discern that, but then this lady that I met with one time sent me this email that like was my rock and got me through the two hardest years of my entire life. Hmm. And, 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 you know, I think we should, well, I, I know I've been wary of people who have like told me things about myself or like have told me what to do or like explained me to me. I, I, I've, people that have been more helpful are people who like let me talk and explore me with them instead of trying to tell me about me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and I think that's what she was doing here. She's like, hey, we had this moment of exploration and, and here's what happened, you know, and it was cool. Yeah. My, I. I've used this line several times. It's just in my like, just my little cards, all my cards. And this is the one I have to play sometimes just to say to people like, I happen to be the world's foremost expert on me. So <laughs> let me tell you how I feel and how I think and what I, yeah, that was well said. And Ben, I just want to, this is not the topic of this, but I want to put an exclamation point. You know, you do that on a text. On what you said about an emoji, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> like when you like, <laughs> I want an oh, exclamation oh, point. Oh, like it. Click and hold. Yeah. Yes, yes, like, the click and hold. <laughs> like not a response. I was like, as long as you don't have an Android, because then it'll get texted over and over again. <laughs> People with an Android cannot do this, right? I, like I have been thinking so much. Like I think my dominant thought and feeling over the past like two, three years has been about that concept of, of us all as a family, mm-hmm. like somewhere uh, that was always the, that was, that seems scripturally to always be the idea. It's just like, it's all of us. We are all the human family together. Somewhere along the way, someone wrote families can be together forever and God bless them. And all of a sudden our focus started to be on this just single nuclear, you know, family like one line of lineage right instead of and, like a chain and it's like we have fence. forgotten the concept of the whole human family like we are, we're not a bunch of individual families like the whole zion which is the concept joseph was obsessed with is like all of us all of us like every single one of us all together you know and i i feel like that sort of family talk could be really, really healthy and helpful for people to realize like, wait, 
the ancients saw. I have said that phrase twice. I just realized the ancients. The first time I said it, I sounded like I was a BYU guy or something. But how embarrassing! Like a professor oh. or something. That's Ugh, like I'm not BYU that ever go there. Gross. I'm not that fancy. Everybody, <laughs> I'm not that fancy. The old people who used to be in the scriptures, they <laughs> like if you look like the promises to covenant Israel, particularly like the salvation ones, are about being saved as the whole. Mm-hmm. Like we've become so individualistic that it's just like, I think we miss some of the power of, oh, anyways. That feels good. Yeah. I right? like that. It's like. Feels good to me too. Let's plant that. Let's plant that. We're planting it now. Plant it in your hearts, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and when you think about like even the last general conference, they were talking about how the majority of adults in the church are single that are unmarried. And then there's the whole question of like, what do we do with the gays? Like, what do we do with anyone? Like, They're a part of the transgender? family. What if, you're, yeah. what if your parents get divorced? Like, where where is the ceiling? Like, let's all go together. Right. Stop you know? worrying about like this. In, like like I, someone's going to fall off the chain and break the chain. Right. Like, nah, because we're a chain we're link fence. All like, like we're a mesh chain. We're not like a line. Ooh, that's cool. Right. Are you, are you saying you want to be sealed to me? Yes, we are. All of us are. Like, right? I really think, I believe this concept my wholeheartedly. We either all go back together or none of us go at all. Like wholeheartedly. Yeah? Yes. Tell me how you came to that. I don't know. Because that I've, seems, that like even feels like foreign to me. And I feel like I believe some pretty <laughs> foreign things. Well, I just feel like to me, if you want to define what, what salvation looks like nothing less than the whole human family together is, Mm. is going to be fitting. It's not going to be enough. Like it's gotta be every person. And I don't mean like all the families and then let's also bring in the rogues. Like, but just like, just like it's, we're all are in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're all every kind, every, every like situation, every like, that's so beautiful. That is so like, I, I've just been thinking about this concept, which might be a, like a, I don't know, this might be a detour, a little, but not far. Let's keep going. Don't I'm, y'all worry you, about this. Do you detour, have time, babe? About this yeah, I'm, I'm loving this. That This detour, but obviously like right now, we've spent a lot of time away from our like organized faith communities, you know? Yeah. And that's actually been so nice. And there's been so much benefit to that for me. And I just have really liked it and... Because organized faith communities are clunky, you know? And so it's like, oh, sometimes it's just nice to just be... I'm a little more free-spirited by nature. I don't like organizations. I don't like administration. I don't like meetings. I don't... I just... That's not my... And I'm not alone. And maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture of the world right now because... Are you being deceived? Yeah, right. Because you really, because right, because like it's like, oh, I'm sick of the nine to five. You want to work from home whenever you want. Always, yeah, yeah. That's like the occupational part of it. Like, you know, then it comes into my faith. And anyways, that's just. But all the surveys now on religion are all saying the growing segment of religion right now is the nuns, right? Like N O N E S S. But, and it sounds like, oh, great, we've got a whole world of atheists. Oh, but, nuns. Yeah, <laughs> not like, like a... That's not how you spell nun. Yeah. <laughs> like people who have no, like have no, no religion. Yeah. yeah. Understood. And, no religious affiliation. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there's all these nuns. 
You see how that's kind of problematic? I wish the nuns were the number one growing. (laughs) (laughs) I love a good nun. I know. Once on my mission, I saw this nun riding a bike around the courtyard of this church. And I was like, I freaking love that lady with her like robes blowing in the wind. I was like, that woman is my, I just love her. So the N-O-N-E-S's, right, are the growing. But what's interesting is spirituality is actually increasing around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's that, I mean, you've heard this before, that it's, we are, a lot of people are spiritual, but they don't want a religious affiliation, right? And particularly over the last year, you're kind of like, oh, true, that's actually, that's great, you know? I like that, like, I my spirit actually likes that, and our foundational story says that you can find God in the woods by yourself without a church, like right? Joseph actually went away from church to find God, which is interesting. So it's like, obviously, there's elements that of that that are true. But what is also true is that God has scattered the spiritual gifts among us Mm -hmm. on purpose. And it comes up in every book of scripture on purpose. The spiritual gifts are scattered among us. So religion is actually organized gathering, right? So the Uh. benefit to religion is bringing all the spiritual gifts together into one place And what's interesting is each of the spiritual gifts are manifestations of the love and character and heart of God. So you can't actually experience the fullness of who God is unless you have gathered together with others. So because of that, no one, if someone is missing, then collectively we are hurting. And collectively, we don't we, represent we God. Don't re- are not representing God. And collectively, we're not understanding God because someone's perspective and gift is missing. Can I tell you something? I was talking to Sarah, my roommate, who you know, and who's on his way over to talk to you right now. Love that guy. That's oh my gosh, that's him right now. Did he walk in? Yeah! Sarah, should we just... <laughs> can I do something or not orthodox? Sarah, come and, come and talk about what we were talking about last night. I don't, I don't know. So funny. I don't know how eloquent this is going to be. This is the first time on the podcast. So last night, Charlie was writing a new portion of his book, and he talked to me about one of my main mantras in life: to experience God through other people, other cultures, and through the wonders of the earth, through creation, through you know whatever God has created. I believe that the more that we can understand other people, diverse people, different cultures, the more we can experience what God has created, the more we can see him in his complexity, in his true form. And we could see different sides of of what God has created within all of us. Because I think, yeah, I think that everyone has a, a little piece, a little like sliver of divinity inside of them that that God has has given to them. And the more we can we can understand that like divine beauty in other people, the more we can see God in all of his forms. Homeboy preaching. Can you believe that? <laughs> like like all three of us came to that conclusion like separately. Like I, I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, Sarah, what about this? And he's like, I wrote that as an essay that got me into BYU Jerusalem. Like I've always believed that. And now you're telling me and I'm just like, Wow. Can I yeah. say something that happened to me? Yes. Charlotte and I were reading. And it better be a fourth, it be wi- it better be a fourth <laughs> witness to this or like we don't want to hear it. Charlotte and I were reading uh, Doctrine and Covenants 46 for the Come Follow Me reading recently. And the like the question for that section is like, who can come to church? 
like who's allowed to come to church? And then the answer is everyone has a spiritual gift. So we talked about that, and it was really beautiful. And so. and the, like I think we should be fighting to bring more people and gather more people instead of finding ways to exclude people. Like we should be finding ways to like because legitimately, if that is true, what Sarah just said is true, then we desperately need like we need to get need, everyone right. Or else we're missing out on God. That And that was the vision from the very, very beginning. That was the intention and the vision from day one. Yeah, and that goes back to like this all is well in Zion. Like if, if we are complacent with who's at church now, then imagine like what we are missing. Yeah. It's, you've heard this thought before, but like Jesus was not a scandal because of who he excluded. He was a scandal because of who he included. Well, that's good. I know. Could I write that down? Yeah, I actually, like really it. like. Have we not said that before? It no. Like... We're 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 gonna make that a little quote <laughs> and put it on our Instagram page. <laughs> so get ready, everyone. Check your feed. Right? Isn't that true? Yeah. Like I mean, someone's I mean, like, he, if they like issued a complaint toward, like he was him, so loving that they killed him. Yeah. It was like, oh, was my complaints like, were not like how much you he are, loved. Yeah. No one ever complained and said like you didn't include anybody. You know, they complained because of who he included. That's just. Yeah. So it makes me want to say this. Is this too bold to say? It really was religious people <laughs> who killed Jesus. Whenever you were, people were near him who had messed up lives and who were broken and who were worried and who were wondering and who were like doggy paddling, you know, through life. Like those are the people who felt super comfortable around him. And so I want to say, if that same group of people does not feel comfortable in my church congregation, then there must not be a lot of Jesus in it, because they probably should. And that's something I take like super seriously when like thinking, what are you contributing to the culture of your faith community? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. This is cool. I love this conversation. Same. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I'm I'm it's I'm just okay for I'm me. wondering <laughs> if I'm being deceived by you. <laughs> but it feels really good. Well, let's include everyone and see how it feels. Yeah, let's I, plant I, that. I feel like it's nice. Mm-hmm. Like just hello Zion. Come join with us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for coming on. This is this, this has been our, probably our longest and, and that was so funny I was like you know me and Sarah were talking about this last night and then Sarah walked in <laughs> dude I, re- I really should lock the door more <laughs> dude, speak someone else no, into no, existence no. is what should, I want we, you to do right now we should have excluded Sarah <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh, two straight end. guys on the podcast <laughs> oh Ugh. my gosh the, the diversity is lacking <laughs> you guys can uh, all send us emails to complain anyway <laughs> Thanks for coming on. This was awesome. Yeah, thanks, like, Dave. I, I love this. Like, like honestly, like, amen, amen, amen. Mm-hmm. This has been great. Oh, thanks for having me. Should I say that? <laughs> is that supposed to be my line right now? I really was thinking in my heart. I think I've already I, said I, it. Like, I, I, want, I just want to say, like, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. <laughs> I but know. I don't know if I can say that on a podcast. I don't know if you can say it on a podcast. Why okay, can you well, not? Well, then I say it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review, following us on Instagram or Facebook at Questions from the Closet, or sharing this podcast with someone you love. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Brigham Young University. We are not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives. Actually, four. four. (laughs) You heard four perspectives, and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. 
If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time.